Hello, I'm Piero Vitelli, and welcome to Dancing in the Line of Fire, a series of podcasts exploring aspects of presentation delivery. Throughout the series, I invite you to contribute your thoughts on Twitter using the hashtag Dancing in the Line of Fire, all one word, and in the final episode, I'll address any comments, questions, or challenges you may have had along the way. But for now, let's carry on with Chapter 2, an unusual setting. The chances are, if you saw a one-foot diameter circle drawn on the ground in front of you, that you would be able to stand inside it. You might even be confident enough to stand on one leg or even hop on it briefly with your eyes closed. If it were a tree stump, maybe four or five inches off the ground, you might want to keep your eyes open, but no one would be surprised or think it particularly difficult if you were to jump up on it and strike a pose. It's an act my children are regularly drawn to perform when we take walks in the various woodland parks near where we live. But now imagine being asked to do that 10 metres up in the air, on top of a telegraph pole. For a start, you might decline the invitation outright, but if you were prepared to attempt it, you might insist on wearing a safety harness. Your heart would probably be pounding, your legs shaking, and you might find it terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. Yet the fact is that you would be doing something with which you are very familiar in a setting that you find unfamiliar, frightening and uncomfortable. And separating the act from the setting is essential if you want to learn how to get better at it. This is exactly how Philippe Petit developed and honed his skills from an early age as a high-wire artist. He practiced walking on a rope, stretched between two trees, set a few feet off the ground for year after year to completely normalise the act. The more he did it, the more competent and confident he became, the bigger the challenge he set himself, and the greater the feat he achieved. And finally, at seven o'clock in the morning on August the 7th, 1974, he spent 45 minutes walking, jumping, kneeling and dancing 1,368 feet up in the air on a wire that he had stretched between the twin towers of the World Trade Center in Manhattan. He didn't have to learn how to walk, kneel or dance in order to complete this and the many other feats he achieved throughout his career. He had to learn how to do them while balancing on a one-inch thick wire that flexed due to wind and his weight. The distance between the wire and the ground seemed to make little difference to him and he turned an unremarkable technical act into a spellbinding event for those lucky enough to be there at the time to see him do it. Public speaking combines an act with which we are very familiar with a setting that we find unfamiliar, frightening and uncomfortable. Just like Philippe Petit, we don't have to learn how to speak with purpose or convey meaning. We have to learn how to do them in front of a large number of people who are looking at us. And this makes it a performance, and therefore, as a form of communication, one which can feel awkward and artificial. No wonder many of us approach it with fear. Not for nothing do many brides, grooms, best friends and parents 
agonize over their speeches and dread their moment in the spotlight at weddings. And daunting as it is, let's not forget that in this instance they're almost certain to enjoy a supportive and forgiving audience. The same can't be said of a team leader of five, a manager of 30, a CEO leading an organization of thousands, or just someone like you who's been told to give a presentation, and so any discomfort that exists will be greater. This lends more than a passing whiff of credibility to the new book of lists by David Wallachinsky and Amy Wallace, in which they identify people's top 10 fears in ascending order from the least frightening as dogs, loneliness, flying, death, sickness, deep water, financial problems, bugs and insects, heights, and speaking before a group. As far as I can imagine, the only reason people are far more frightened of public speaking than they are of dying is that they think they're far more likely to face the prospect of presenting than they are of dying, at least in the not-too-distant future. The actor and entertainer George Jessel is reported to have said, the human brain starts working from the moment you are born and never stops working until you stand up to speak in public. An eloquent quote, it certainly seems to sum up the experience many of us have when standing alone before an audience, as we are exposed to two very real and equally debilitating fears, those of humiliation and rejection. This is what prompts the bewildering array of physiological and mental symptoms that can sometimes overpower a presenter before, during, and immediately after giving a presentation. To protect ourselves from such danger, our natural response is one of fight, flight, or freeze. However, these are of little use when presenting, let's say, next year's sales targets to highly incentivized salespeople because they've given up their valuable time today to be told by us how much more they'll need to earn tomorrow. Never does time become money quicker than when we believe someone is wasting hours, and so it's small wonder that most audiences demand that we present well. Hell hath no fury like an audience bored. It should be easy to walk away from such a poisoned chalice, and indeed it is. But the ability to present effectively is highly prized. Demand for effective presenting is on the increase in the workplace, evidence of it often being cited as the reason for one candidate being preferred over another in the recruitment process. One way to gain a competitive advantage is to become better at it, much better at it. If you search for presentation skills online, you will discover an eye-watering number of pages from websites that describe in great detail what makes a good presentation. Each is a good source of information, and the fact that most corroborate each other should give us confidence that what they say is true. However, what most fail to address is the how. It's all very well saying a presenter should be engaging, but how do you engage an audience? How do you make sure that your body is relaxed? How do you speak in such a way as to convey interest or importance? An audience gives its time in exchange for something it believes the presenter will deliver. 
At the same time, the presenter does all he or she can to protect themselves from fear and is therefore caught between a rock and a hard place. The rock is the unavoidable truth that an audience requires a presenter to at least match, if not exceed, their expectations. And the hard place is Abraham Maslow's assertion that our need for personal safety must be satisfied before we can concentrate on realising our creative potential. It can often feel like a vice-like grip, and to not just survive, but thrive in it, is to dance in the line of fire. Thank you for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget that you can join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Dancing in the Line of Fire, all one word, and any comments or questions you may have will shape the content of the last episode. If you want to find out more about the work I do, then visit island41.com, and I look forward to your company next time. <music>